Hey there, this is Miss Emma Grace on the campus of Huntington University. You're listening to Rooted. Make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And you can catch us every Thursday evening at 7 on 105.5 WQHU. And as always, you can stream Forrester Radio anytime, anywhere on ForresterRadio.com or through the TuneIn app. Today I'm sitting down with Nathaniel Roth to talk about his non-for-profit, The L3 Project. Today on this episode of Rooted, I'm here talking with Nathaniel. And we are talking a little bit about a non-for-profit he started last year. So Nathaniel, if you can just talk about um, what's the story that got this non-profit started. I take it back to where I'm from. And so I'm from northern Cincinnati. I'm not quite in the city, but in the suburbs. And being there, I learned a lot. And I didn't know I learned a lot until I came to um, small a small town uh, like Huntington. And I experienced a lot of that, the small town mentality of kind of more, I guess, less diverse. And so I came from a place that was really diverse. Uh, there's a lot of cultures that are surrounding the areas I, the area I grew, up, grew up in. So that's that being northern Cincinnati. Uh, I guess you don't think of Cincinnati as a diverse place. You probably think of Chicago or L.A. or I guess a place in Florida. But Cincinnati actually has a lot of businesses that are huge in the world like P&G, GE, Ford, all these massive places have headquarters, Kroger, and so a lot of people from different countries would actually come in and I have friends from like all over the place and different socioeconomic backgrounds and because of that I grew up knowing a lot of different people from different places and when I moved to Huntington I realized there's not a lot of people from those different places which is fine. Um, that's that's not mean that they're not, they're not any less of a person because of that. But for me, I really grew a lot understanding that my background isn't everyone else's background just because I do things a certain way. And whether it's religious beliefs, because there's a lot of there's a lot of Mormons and there's a Sikh community and Muslim, um, Jewish, Catholic, everyone's in this big, massive fruit salad of of awesomeness in Cincinnati and so I grew up in that and then when I came to HU I realized that a lot of people weren't really fully experienced in the whole um, dealing with different cultures and I'm not about to say I'm the most cultured person that's definitely not what I'm about to say because there's people who grew up in different countries and there's people who you know whether they're adopted you know whatever it is I am not about to say I'm the most cultured person However, I did see a lot of different things um, all across the spectrum. The place that became most prevalent when I realized this is when I actually delivered pizzas. And I tell people that cha- that delivering pizzas actually changed my life. But the place that I delivered at actually divided in half the good area and the bad area. So the pizza place that I worked at on the east side was a more rough part of town. And on the west side was actually like... Um, more fortunate I guess part of town and uh, that doesn't mean that it was like really shady or bad or anything that it's just like that's where it was more of a small town it was more things were more like beaten up down there in the city so when I delivered pizzas I finally crossed that barrier of people that I saw and understood and I came into contact with a lot of I guess darkness and with the darkness there was a lot of hope because I saw a lot of people really working hard and getting themselves out of situations which was great but I also saw a lot of darkness when it came to um, some of the situations I'd come across. So the L3 project started actually 
in my head as a conversation between me and God because this whole time I'm delivering pizzas and I had this like weird crisis in my head and all I have to do is deliver pizzas, listen to music and drive. That's pretty much all I did. And I was home from a break. It was Christmas break and I was back during J term actually. And I was driving and I felt really down on myself because I'm about to graduate and I was studying psychology. I love theater. I'm extroverted. I've got like all these things going for me. And yet I still didn't know how to love people. And that became very apparent when I was faced with the choice of do I love this person or do I ignore them? And it happened so many times in which I ignored them or didn't know how to effectively love them and take care of them the way that God calls us to do. And I really had this kind of battle with God, like, hey, what's wrong with me? What am I missing? And so some of those stories are, um, I came in, I came into contact with this guy who was really struggling with heroin addiction and I delivered a pizza to him and I saw that he had this shirt that said like bikers against heroin or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's an awesome shirt. I love that. Uh, do you have a bike? And he said, no, I don't, but I got this shirt because I'm out of rehab. And I said, oh man, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Um, I'm super happy for you. I'm proud of you. And I was just trying to trying to encourage him as a pizza delivery guy, giving him his pizza. You know, he I don't think he was asking for some kind of pep talk. He just wanted a pizza, but he received it well. And we talked for a little bit. And then I left and I was like, I wish I could give him something that would remind him of this. Because, I mean, I have a heart for people, but I don't always, I guess, make that known or care enough to really act on those impulses. And so sitting there, I decided, I was like, well, I can't really give him anything, you know, but I'll, I'll pray for him, I guess. And, and I don't know where he's at now, but I was like, what if, what if he was stuck in that moment of self-doubt and darkness and he wanted to go back to drugs and there's nothing stopping him? But what if he had something to look at and be like, oh, wow, like I remember like this is why I do this. So um, that's, that's part of it. I'll get to that later. And then a few more interactions I, I had actually with, were with prostitutes. And at this time, my schema for prostitution was it happens. Um, it probably happens in my area. It's probably like an underground, low-key kind of thing. And it's like, I know, you know, you're a prostitute. I'm just going to ignore it kind of kind of thing. And no one really cares or talks about it. I knew that, like, I knew the darkness that dwelled within prostitution, but I never really knew, like, how close I was to that darkness. And it didn't really manifest itself until I was driving one day and I drove down this one avenue to go deliver a pizza. And I saw these ladies that I can't really explain it. I guess you'd have to see it or just take my word for it. But there was just something off, but it wasn't apparent. It wasn't like sticking out like a highlighter. It was just kind of this weird vibe that I was getting. And they were, they were kind of walking around on this set portion of the block and literally working the street corner and they weren't really dressed super different but I could see like you know other everyone else was walking for destination and they were walking in place almost so they were like waiting for someone but there's two people doing this and so I figured I was like that's interesting so I was driving and they made eye contact with me and it was this kind of eye contact that never broke at all and that's something that especially a stranger in that part of town you would never do that because that's just weird it's off-putting you wouldn't just make eye contact with someone. So I sat there and I was like, that was so strange. I was like, I wonder if they're going to be back when I come back. So I ended up 
taking the longer part of the route and going back down that avenue and they would make this eye contact and they wouldn't break it unless I made and unless I broke it and I had a lot of questions and I didn't really know the answer but I ended up going to someone who I delivered with and he lives in in that area and I asked him I said hey how do you know if someone's a prostitute I know it's a really weird question like I'm not and I'll explain later I don't want to lead him on with what I thought um, the answer would be. And, and he said, well, they'll dress kind of normal. I was like, okay, check. And it'll be kind of like athletic wear. It's nothing too scandalous. Um, it's not like what you see in the movies. And I was like, okay, check. That makes sense. He said, they'll probably look like they're ravaged with drugs. And I said, well, that's definitely double check because I remember looking at them and Deep down in their soul, I could tell that they were, like, half the age of my mom, but they looked twice as old as my mom because of just how much they've been exposed to the drugs that they use to numb the numb their pain. And that was, that was the saddest part, I think. And he said, he finished it off with, and they'll give you this look. And I asked him, I said, well, what do you mean by a look? He said that they don't break eye contact. They'll look at you. And they're essentially telling you, I'm up for grabs by me you know, sleep with me. I'm, I'm available to you. And that kind of rocked my world because at that point I realized prostitution isn't something that's like pushed under the rug. It's not something that's only done at night. It's not something that is for like the dark web. It's, it happens. And I started then thinking, well, how many people do I know that have succumbed to this lure of prostitution to support themselves? And I realized that it's not just something that's isolated from me, but it's it's around me. And that leads up to, I think, one of the biggest things that impact me is I delivered a pizza. And again, this is during dinner time. So it's in the summertime. And at that point, I knew that prostitution existed. I was exposed to this. And I drove down the same Avenue is actually called Belle Avenue, which is French for beautiful, which I thought was extremely ironic. Um, mm. And and so I knew this was the case. And so I'd always drive down and I'd always look and I never knew what to do, but I was always curious to see who was out there. And I'd see some regular people and I delivered a pizza and I walked up this huge set of stairs. And then when I started walking down, I, hear, I heard all these doors opening up, these like springs and things slamming. And, and I heard all this yelling. And it was like, go get a real job. Prostitution isn't a real job. Like just yelling. I was like, what is happening? And I look and I see this lady that I've seen before. And I never thought I'd be in a situation where someone would be like, I guess, yelled at in public in the middle of the day. And I walked down the steps and I looked her in the eye and she like walked, but then she looked at me and then she said, oh, these people, am I right? And I looked at her and I was like, yeah. And I just got in my car and I drove off. And I wrote a poem about it. Um, and in in the poem, I essentially say, you know, yeah, you mean a lot to my God. But in that moment, you weren't worth me making $5 an hour for 30 more seconds. It was it was it was clear to me that even though I cared about people, my actions didn't show it. And it wasn't very evident. I didn't care enough to actually do anything. I think at that point, you don't really care. <laughs> And that stuck with me for a very long time. And I've forgiven myself for that. And at that point, I was really distraught. But then flash forward to last winter, 
I was thinking of all these interactions I've had with people and there's numerous other ones. And I realized I was like, man, why do I always fall short? And I'd call people and I'd say, Hey, how, how do you feel at HU? You, you feel like you're doing something like, nah, man, I came here to make a difference. And I, I just feel like I'm just wasting my time. And I was like, but that sucks because we've got people and, um, teachers and professors and pastors pouring into us saying, go love people. And, you know, go do this. And I was like, why are we falling short? Where's the, the disconnect? And so I started having this conversation with God. I said, God, well, what, what can I do? What, what is my purpose? What am I, what's my, I guess, calling for this specific thing? And I'm a, I was a psychology major. I graduated last year. And one of the things that came up in my head was Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I realized that we were asked to do these great things um, and in, if you're not familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, you can look it up. But essentially, it's saying that every human being needs fundamental th- things in order to get to the next fundamental thing. And so, in order to feel safe, we first need to have our basic needs met. And so, we have our basic needs and safety and love and belongingness um, and self esteem. And then at the end is self actualization, which is essentially saying being the best person you could possibly be. And so, at that point, I realized I can't be the best person I can possibly be because there's other things that I'm lacking. And so then these three words came to my mind and it said it was loved, lovely, love. And at first I was like, well, geez, God, that's like a that's just freaking the same word three times. And I was like, that's kind of silly. And at this point, I'm thinking, well, whatever, what would everyone else think of this? You know, oh, gosh, that's a mouthful. I can't say loved, lovely, love. That's just that's like the tongue twister. And God said, well, think about it. And so I thought about it and then it clicked in order for someone to love someone. They first need to be loved by something else or someone else. And yes, we're loved by God, but sometimes we don't see it and we don't feel it. And so then we we're stuck in our own self pity. But in order for us to get to that love part, we also must feel like we're lovely and that we're important because if I don't think I'm important at all in anyone's story whatsoever, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to think, oh, well, that person needs a hug because I'm like, I'm not important or they don't need me. And and so the, the mindset that I want to give to people is that you are loved, lovely love. And kind of what I want to do through the L3 project, and that's what the L3 project stands for. The L3 is loved, lovely love. I want to show people that, that they are loved in practical ways doesn't need to be some big massive thing, but just a practical way, um, but also teach them and equip them with the mindset that they're also lovely and that they're important and that their story is important because God says they're important and not because anyone else says they're important, but that we're all part of this big massive machine and this huge orchestration and this song that's being sung and everyone's part is important and that that's what I want to get across to people. And at that point, I think is when we can start loving people effectively. And that doesn't mean that if you struggle with self-esteem issues, you can't love people. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm sitting here and I realized, I was like, I know that I'm loved by God. So why am I not loving other people? And I realized it's because I don't think I'm that important. And I could have told you, yeah, I'm important in this world. And I told, I tell everyone like, you're important, like you matter, but I didn't feel it. I didn't know what that meant. And what that meant is that I was important in that lady's story of coming alongside her and telling her that she's beautiful and that she's loved or telling that drug dealer like, Hey, can I spend like five minutes with you and just kind of hear your story out and listen to you and pour into you. Um, and it means like that I am also love. Uh, ultimately I believe that 
love comes from God, but I feel like we can fall short. And if we don't, if we don't see ourselves as love, then we just pass it on to someone else. Like, I, I'm not going to talk to that kid because someone else will. But the, the matter of the fact is that you are love because we are called to love other people. And so we are called to embody the same spirit that um, Christ gave to us. And in that way, we can go out and love other people. And so the whole you are loved, lovely love thing is just an encouragement. It's like a mindset that I want people to know because I want them to wake up every single morning, one, knowing that they're loved. Ultimately, I want everyone going to bed knowing that they're loved because that there's a God out there that cares for them no matter what. But then I want people to slowly realize that they are actually important, that they're lovely, that they are, that the God created them for a purpose, that they matter, that their story matters. And then I want people to be equipped and feel like they're given the right resources, um, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, um, socially, to be able to actually make changes in people's lives. And what I realized is that's just the trunk of the L3 project tree. The trunk is your loved, lovely love. My passion isn't being a nurse. My passion isn't being an engineer or building computers or being on a radio station or, you know, those aren't, those aren't my passions, but yet other people have those passions. And so how can I, as someone who has a passion for people, really equip people with a mindset so they can take this anywhere wherever they go and see someone as loved lovely love and not as someone who's just a a basket case because part of the problem was I didn't know how to love people and I think it's it can be so it's easier said than done but it's also can be as simple as hey I just wanted you to know that God loves you I just wanted to listen to your story and I just wanted to share some of my story I just wanted to like listen to you and pour into you, but also really encourage you to go out and love other people. And so what I adapted as my branch of this tree, I realized that I really like cards or like notes. And I realized I was like, I could just make cards. And I don't, um, I don't really know exactly what that means. I'm not really artistic in that way. And even though I keep all my cards, I mean, I have notes from junior high or elementary school that people gave me that are probably meaningless now. Um, I was like, ah, but everyone's going to think that's lame. Uh, no one's, no one gets behind cards. You know, people want like crazy stuff or big changes. And I realized I'm like, no, 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 that's my, that's what I want to do. And so I had this passion for people who are on the fringe. So I was, I was like talking with my roommate one time and then someone was like, Hey, it was actually Kelsey Anderson. She was talking to Justine and I was sitting there and she said, man, Justine, if I could just make cards for the rest of my life, I would be super happy. And I was like, what did you just say, Kelsey? And she's like, if I could make cards for the rest of my life, I would be really happy. And I got super excited because I was like, finally, someone can make cards because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, remember that one project I told you about? And she's like, oh, yeah. So we ended up uh, brainstorming and uh, we designed these cards. And on the front of the card says you are loved, lovely love. And on the inside, it explains what that means. And on the right-hand panel is like an actual word of encouragement from a real person. Now, last year when I led Eck, um, we had over like 115, I want to say 115, uh, people come down and write words of encouragement on index cards. And I still have those index cards. And what I use for those is I'm storing all those up. And then as I release cards, I'm like typing them all in. And at first I was like, I thought I was going to be like, hey, have a good life or something. But people poured in their hearts, uh, poured out their hearts into these cards. And I was blown away because I was like, wow, like, pff, I 
thought there would have been maybe like a few well-written ones, but everyone just really just, I could tell where they're, where they're coming from and where their heart was. But what I'm wanting to do is this where it gets kind of complicated because in order for a lot of this stuff to happen, you have to be um, declared an actual like 501c3 nonprofit status tax exemption with the, with the government, which is not a problem. It's actually not that complicated, but, um, in order for us to get a nonprofit bank account, this needs to happen. And for that to happen in the website and everything like that. So right now it's kind of at a, like a, a weird little standstill, but the process is with the government. I'm talking with the government on uh, making this tax exempt. My goal is I want to have a website where people can buy these cards for free. Like they can order these cards and have them sent to them and they can use them as a conversation starter with a friend that they know is struggling. And the idea is, because another problem that I saw was there's a lot of places to get help. There's a ton. There's mm-hmm. there's suicide hotlines. There's to write love on our arms. There's, there's just all these places that can help people even with eating disorders or self-harm, bipolar disorder, and there's always support groups. But there's nothing like pointing to them um, directly. And being in the field of psychology, I realized that, wow, there's a lot of help out there, but people don't really know about it because how often do you sit there and you're depressed and you just want to go online and find a place that helps you with depression? Mm-hmm. Like no one, no one thinks of that because they're so concerned about where they're at. I want to create a hub where on the website, there'd be a lot of like video testimonies of people who struggle with various things. And then that way people can, they receive these cards and they're sent to a link with all these testimonies and they're like, hey, wow, that person's story sounds really similar to mine. And under these videos would have all of these resources to point to people and say, hey, if you just want someone to talk to you, go to this place. Um, or if you need resources on pointing you to where um, you can possibly get medication or like how to talk to your doctor about these things here, go to this place. So I want it to be like a central hub to point to people. That's kind of where I'm at now. There's a lot of other things I guess I have like in the future planned, and so I just want to go back to when you were talking about that, like, guy kind of showed you, um, I guess, how to better love people, in a sense. And I'm just curious as to, like, um, what that means for you now as opposed to before. I think it's a lot simpler than I made it. I saw someone in within a minute, whether it's, like, sitting with someone next to someone on a bus or mm-hmm. walking by someone. I'm like, you know what, that person's probably having a bad day, but I also don't have... 30 minutes to talk to them. Yeah. And I realize it's not about having 30 minutes. It's about making whatever, it's about making the most of whatever time you have. But what I realized it's, it's about taking advantage of the time that you have. And I wasn't even mm-hmm. taking advantage of the small amounts. So at that point, then if it's like, if I can take advantage of, of one minute, then maybe I won't ever take advantage of five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes or even an hour because I'm like, well, I'm not really going to make that much of a difference. And so I think when God started talking to me about all this stuff, it was mainly just keep it simple. It, it could be the simplest thing. It could literally be you not sitting with your friends at lunch and just sitting with someone different. Yeah, that's really a really interesting um thought and just the simplicity of it um so even like going along with that um with the l3 project and how you do have all the note cards from the act but do you have another um do you have a way like now while you're in this kind of standstill stage that if people still want to um contribute to that and give more um, note cards or whatever how is like the best way they can do that Follow us on Instagram at mm-hmm. lovedlovelylove. Also, 
Uh, Facebook is probably the L3 project. But if you want to even message me personally and say, hey, I've, I've got this idea or something I need help with, like, I definitely want to um, come around people. But right now, I think we're gearing up to start filming testimonial videos and start working on that process. And so I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but if anyone has a testimony that would reflect the loved, lovely love idea, if you are like, hey, I want to be kind of considered for the process of maybe a testimonial video, uh, it'd be something short, wouldn't be anything long, maybe like two or three minutes, something that could encourage a group of people that maybe are struggling with something similar that you've struggled with. You can always message me about that. Eventually, what we're going to be doing is, again, once we have the uh, nonprofit status, we're then able to have a bank account, which then could, um, which will allow us to um, create merch and stuff like that. So any designers out there that would love to like design some merchandise and kind of practice your skills for a good cause. Um, if you have any special skills, if you um, know anybody that you're know, like, hey, you know, I, my dad or mom it has a t-shirt printing business and could give you like a really good discount to help you guys out or something anything like that just anything that is practical right now that's kind of what we're shooting for is how can we get this off its feet so if you have anything like that um and then after that hopefully by next semester second semester um we can really start rolling out a lot of other ideas and start branching out into um bigger groups and talking with different colleges and stuff like that. But right now it's all about practical needs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, who else is, um, is there anyone else on the L project like team? Yeah. Uh, so Carter Morris, actually, he went here 2014, 15. Mm -hmm. Um, he's actually the vice president. I'm like the president. I think that's the name I have. I don't, <laughs> I just kind of make some calls and call shots, but He's actually part of this, Carter Morris. There's a lot of other people that are just, like, supportive. Kelsey Anderson was huge. And there's just a lot of people. Uh, Joseph Mitchell, he's, uh, he's like, the stand-in treasurer. So there's a lot of people that have, like, kind of stepped in and fulfilled mm -hmm. some roles, which is really cool. But right now, the, <laughs> nothing's really taking off because it's on, it's on my end and me and the government and having yeah. this conversation, filling out paperwork. So, um, But those faces will definitely start coming out more as things start rolling out. Yeah, so like you mentioned, branching out to other colleges. Do you, so do you hope this like becomes a thing that like becomes like a common theme in like colleges, and that like even like I don't know. In my head, I'm just thinking like like Purdue University. Like just thinking about how cool it'd be if like it went there, you know, yeah, and it's absolutely. like it became this big thing there. Like, is that kind of your vision for it? Yeah, my vision is that once this stuff kind of it's all in phases, and so like I'm in I'm in the early phases, but the later yeah. phases look more like traveling around to different colleges and really encouraging people again not not for them to follow my dream but for yeah. me to take something that I've learned and help them follow their dream so maybe a chapter opens up in Purdue or mm -hmm. Iwu or Grace or Taylor yeah. and people are like hey you know what I want to make this a thing at our at our campus and really yeah. I want to be able to encourage them I've had people from different even professions and majors saying hey well I, I want to be a part of this but you know, in this way. And I said, perfect. Like, you know, and so they're like, well, we're doing this. And I'm like, awesome. We'll come alongside of you. Um, we'll hand out some, some stuff. And I want it to be less about me having a conversation and every single person having their own unique conversation saying, Hey, this is what it means to me. And yeah. if at that point, like, that's how I define success is someone else who I don't even know could listen to this and say, wow, this makes sense to me. I'm going to take this somewhere else. 
Yeah, I think that's just really cool because I think of like, I don't know, just, it seems like there's a lot of nonprofits that have kind of the same, I guess, mentality of wanting people to feel loved, but I feel like there's no, a lot of it is just like the big grand scheme of things and you can't really make it personal yourself. So that is really cool. Um, is there anything else um, about the project, about um, the vision, about anything about it that you want people to know? Well, it's still a thing. A lot of people are like, is that still a thing? I'm like, yes, it's still a thing. It's just that, like there's a lot of things, like I said, that can't be rolled out because you need that stamp by the government yeah. saying this is tax exempt, this is this is a nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, if you have any ideas, always feel free to hit me up, um, slide into my DMs. Uh, if you have any skills or talents, you know, so if there's any way you could you could help out. Uh, financially, it's kind of, like, hard because we don't have a bank account yet, but that will eventually get there. But keep your eyes open on social media. Um, follow us at Loved Lovely Love on, on Instagram. That would be awesome. Um, again, just, like, if you have any ways that you'd want to help or any ideas of how this could progress further, if you just want to be a part of, you know, designing things or if you have connections anywhere, that would be awesome. And it would just be a great thing, I think, to really um, put out there as as an HU student body and really care about the community. But also, this is a perfect place that where we can we can do this together. This isn't my dream. This is like, you know, I want it to be like everyone's um, cooperation and something that we can all do. And that's that's how it started. If I didn't have the people around me, it wouldn't have gotten off its feet. It would just been an idea. And so it's not just something that I care about, but there's other people that care about it too. So if you want to jump on that team, always feel free to let me know. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Nathaniel Roth, for joining us on this episode of Rooted. And thank you for listening. Do you have an idea of a guest we should have on the show? Please email us at forresterradio at huntington.edu. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on iTunes or SoundCloud. And remember, you can listen to Forrester Radio on 105.5 WQHU over the air in Huntington or go to ForresterRadio.com.